Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. What's up, you guys? Sean Rossat, managing editor of Fightful.com, your leader in crossover combat sports coverage. We have FightfulWrestling.com. FightfulMMA.com, and now FightfulBoxing.com. We're here to talk Triple G Canelo, too. The whole show, we got lots to get into. If you have never checked out Fightful.com, do so. Maybe you're into one, two, all three of those sports. We have ways that you can divide them up. Just check it out. I am here with our Fightful Boxing lead writer, our insider, Carlos Toro. Carlos, how are you? Doing pretty good, Sean. Boy, this was uh, an amazing main event this was an amazing fight card overall that i honestly could not have asked for a better night of boxing although some people may disagree with what the final decision including myself but we, we'll get through that for the whole show if you guys are unfamiliar with carlos he's been credentialed for several events he was he's covered uh events all over the new york area in california and puerto rico he is one of the real emerging boxing writers on the scene. Every other week, he does the Fightful Boxing Newsletter, which drops on Thursday mornings, every other Thursday morning on FightfulBoxing.com and Fightful.com. It is a great way to stay in touch with boxing if you're a casual fan or a hardcore fan. He's getting exclusives all the time. Make sure you check him out. Follow him at Carlos Toro 360 I am here. I can't even say to run the point guard. I am the Derek Fisher to Carlos's Kobe. But let's talk about this show. I can tell you from an absolute casual boxing fan's perspective, outside of the incredible wait time before that main event and really the co-main event, this was a boxing card from heaven. This was just a bunch of exciting fights, three of which had finishes, and then a main event that was a classic that left me immediately wanting to see these two guys fight again. Uh, From your perspective, how did this show resonate? You know, when you're looking at this card on paper, you know, the top four fives, you really, the expectation was incredible. One, you start, the fact that the first fight was Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, a guy who a year ago was main eventing the first Superfly card. And, you know, we all know how good the Superfly cards are that HBO does, you know, minus this latest one that we had last Saturday. 
you know, Chocolatito is, you know, when you're talking about the lower weight classes, you know, from 115 to below in the last 15, 20 years, uh, Chocolatito has been the number one guy. He is an absolute legend, uh, first ballot hall of famer, in my opinion. And to have him start the this pay-per-view event just shows how absolutely stacked this was. And you got Gary O'Sullivan against Ava Lemieux, which was a grudge match that uh, ended extremely quickly, probably faster than any human being on this planet would have ever expected. And then we got Jaime Munguia, who once again showed us he is a megastar in the making, a long-term project, even though he it's kind of weird to call a world champion a long-term project, but he is that. And the main event was just absolutely amazing. I mean, you, you said it, three finishes and then a barnstorm of a main event. I There's no way anyone could have asked for anything more in terms of the quality of fights and the finishes. So let's address the elephant in the room this afternoon or this morning, rather Floyd Mayweather commented and saying that he was coming out of retirement to face Manny Pacquiao again, a fight that really nobody's asking for, especially after their last effort, but says that another nine figure payday was on the way. Do you think he did this to take attention away from tonight's fight? Or do you think that this may be, accelerated attention to the boxing world for today for tonight's fight you know it's with floyd you absolutely never know because listen after spending months and months having to cover uh, mayweather for that conor mcgregor fight i've learned that every that first of all i never i will never believe anything that floyd mayweather tells me straight up if he tells me the sky is blue i will look up just to make sure because listen (laughs) I mean, he's, Floyd Mayweather keeps saying these things to keep and you know keep his name up in the limelight. You know, in a way, he is still the biggest name in boxing, even though he's no longer fighting. And you know, with this one, I would normally say it's just smoke and mirrors. Nothing, you know, there's nothing to this. But when you saw the videos and you saw kind of Manny Pacquiao sort of get a little bit into it, that's when I kind of thought, you know, this might actually be something. Floyd might actually be. St- onto something because if we recall you know a couple of weeks ago floyd said listen i want to talk to manny about you know making a fight together with him not not floyd versus manny too but uh manny versus mikey garcia because you know both are technically able to sign with whoever they want and floyd's a a promoter but you know this you know floyd versus me manny pacquiao again as you mentioned it's a fight no one wants to see after the absolute you know I don't even know what to call a disaster <laughs> that the first fight was. Uh, you know, no one wants to see it, but at the same time, everybody's going to tune in because it's Floyd Mayweather, it's Manny Pacquiao, and and you know, coming out that win over Lucas Matisse, Manny Pacquiao still is as popular as ever, especially in the post Mayweather era. Also, Floyd Mayweather's record was broken recently. I'm sure he'd love to just. Create a little more drama about that, right? Yeah, it's so funny. Don't he doesn't care, but he cares. Oh, he he absolutely cares. So you know, he actually he was with uh, Sean Givens uh, over there in Tokyo, and you know, they and Sean was telling Floyd, "Listen, hey, this is Thai guy who's done who got to fifty one. No, that doesn't mean anything." It's like, well, if you're mentioning his name, it's because it means something. And because of the way Floyd talked throughout the whole months leading up to the McGregor fight, about 49-0 versus 50-0, and, and then all of a sudden this 105 guy from 
Thailand just suddenly breaks it. It's in a way, you know, Floyd's always about the records. It's always about more. It's always about getting any win possible, whether it be in the ring, out of the ring as a promoter. And, you know, if I, I believed, I would believe that Floyd wants to come back to the ring because it's another, as he said, nine, nine uh, figure payday, no matter who he fights. He could, he could, I bet you he could fight any of us or the both of us at the same time, and he would make a healthy 20 million. I would agree. Uh, on to tonight's show. Was there anything on the the prelim card that stood out to you that, that the viewers should know about? Uh, mainly, you know, Virgil Ortiz, who was, I guess, in the main event, I guess, quote unquote, of the prelim fight. Uh, he won his fight by second round TKO uh, against, I uh, will get his name in the second. Uh, against Roberto Ortiz. Uh, I wanted to make sure which Ortiz, because there was another Ortiz fighting on the prelim, so I don't want to confuse uh, which of them. But uh, Virgil Ortiz is a fantastic prospect. And, you know, he's one of those guys that, you know, Golden Boy has kind of under his pocket that not a lot of people know about. But he's one of those guys that's going to be a real player maybe sometime in mid-summer 2019 start of 2020 and i think he's a guy that i think people should watch out for because if there's another major pay-per-view golden boy is going to be promoting i am almost 100 percent sure virgil or is going to land himself somewhere in in on that pay-per-view card he was actually going to be on the pay-per-view card uh, if any of the other fights fell through for for any reason so virgil Ortiz is right up there for being one of those guys that you know, just like Joseph Diaz Jr., who last year on the first Canelo for the Triple G card, kind of and the way fringe contender at the time, big name prospect, he won his fight impressively. And look at him about six months later, he, uh, six, seven, eight months later, he got a title shot against Gary Russell Jr. So the pay per view portion of the show was kicked off by Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez. And the, the first thing I noticed was the announcer saying that. He was he was downtrodden and looked slow. That was not the case for long yeah. as he put down Moises Fuentes. This was a very fun opener. I think it really set the tone for the show. Absolutely. I mean, the first round was definitely a very uncharacteristic round for Chocolatito, but I more credit that to the fact he hasn't fought in a year and it's he hasn't won a fight since 2016 because his two fights in 2017 were to uh, Shisaket which you know the first one was a hell of a fight, fight of the year contender. Second fight, that's when it kind of really showed people that Chocolatito is no longer that pound for pound king that everybody was expecting. But you know this was a very very good win. You know Moises Fuentes. Is a guy. He's not. He's not just some guy that gets picked off the street. Moisés Fuentes. His resume is a very impressive one. Former champion at 105 pounds. The list of names he's fought is very, very impressive for guys who follow. For fans who follow, you know the sort of 108, 112, 115 pound divisions. And you know, as the second round started going, we started to see a little bit more of that old chocolatito. Even by the end of the fight, I wouldn't quite say it was old old chocolatito, but you know, we we we're, it, this was a fight for him to slowly get his confidence back up. You know, he he wasn't aiming for a knockout; he was just looking to get rounds, looking to get his speed back. 
2019 might be different. Chocolatito could be in line to face Donnie Nietes for the WBO Super Flyweight title, which is vacant because Donnie Nietes versus Aston Police Day's fight last Saturday ended in a very controversial split draw, which I'm thankful we didn't get that on this main event. So, but yeah, Chocolatito versus Donnie Nietes, if that fight happens in 2019, that is already, you know, a lot of people would probably vote that as fight of the year on paper because Donnie Nietes and Chocolatito are, you know, the two biggest names of the last 15, 20 years when it comes to those lower weight classes. So it's good to have Chocolatito yeah. get that win and by, you know, win impressively. Yeah. He, I thought this was the kind of win that he needed after those back-to-back losses and losing the, the super flyweight title. I mean, he used to be a guy you could count on for a finish. Wasn't the case shortly before he lost his titles and definitely not, not last year after that rough year that he had, but I thought this was the type of performance that he needed and on the show that he needed too, because there were a lot of eyes on this, maybe not necessarily in the venue as it was a ghost town, but oh on God. pay-per-view for sure out. Like I said, outside of the, we'll, we'll get to the, the downtime, but a really good performance. And then we had David Lemieux just crush Gary O'Sullivan by eight forty-five mm. Eastern. We're gearing up for the co-main event because Gary Lemieux put the pain or David Lemieux put the pain on Gary O'Sullivan. My God. Uh, sensational counter left hook very late into the first round. Uh, I believe it was 244 or something around that time. This was, you know, Lemieux from the start. He, we saw the old Lemieux, uh, where he would just come out and pressure you and just land all those haymaker to start. This was a completely Different David Lemieux from the one we saw last December when he just absolutely got outboxed by Billy Joe Saunders. And honestly, this was, in my opinion, this was the most intriguing fight of the entire card except for the main event because of the animosity between these two. At first, this just came out as a social media battle between the two and then just evolved into a fight. You know, O'Sullivan for months, he had been claiming that he was going to be the next guy in line to face uh, Canelo Alvarez after this rematch. Funny enough, no one really ever confirmed or denied if Gary was actually going to fight Canelo. But, you know, David Lemieux, this was a statement win because everybody was already kind of counting him out. It damn sure was a statement win. It was a statement win. Not just that, the animosity, as I mentioned, was intense. Just basically, uh, the way if you, any of you, if no one... If any of you that did not watch the undercard press conference, it was just to show how much, you know, disdain these two had. Lemieux said, and this is uh, in an interview, uh, to tell you the truth, when I heard the story that he that Gary O'Sullivan beat his girlfriend, which is a story from a few years back, any man that beats a woman is a coward, but there's always consequences. If that's the case, that he didn't do it and the charges were dropped, then okay, no problem. But he looks like the type to beat women. And just was absolute chaos between the two. I mean, it, it, this, the, even the face-off was probably the most interesting one uh, out of the entire card, even more so than the main event where Lemieux was just standing there and G- Gary O'Sullivan was having the the bare-knuckle stance and just trying to dare Lemieux to just attack him right then and there just days before the actual fight. And Lemieux absolutely needed this one because now he has a shot at the WBA title and will most likely now fight Canelo Alvarez in December at MSG. 
Reminder, guys, you can get more of Carlos's great boxing coverage at FightfulBoxing.com. We have registered that domain to make it easier for you guys. Check this out. That Fightful Boxing newsletter drops every other Thursday, and he does a lot of great interviews. Carlos also does a lot of interviews on the wrestling side of things, uh, speaking to guys like Pentagon and Sexy Star. When everybody in the wrestling world said that Sexy Star was retiring, Carlos had the scoop on that. Also, you'll notice over the last week, you've heard a lot of people say, oh, Pentagon uh, clears up that he's not going to WWE. Our boy Carlos had that, I don't know, a month and a half, two months ago. I think you had it two months ago. And we held off posting it until All In Week yeah. to promote yeah. the show. <laughs> we, held, we held it off until All In Weekend. But even then, I, when I spoke to Pentagon back in May, he was telling me, no, nah, I, I haven't heard anything from WWE. Not a thing. Up next, the co-main event of the night. And this, this had an extended break as well. <laughs> so maybe for those who, who are kind of new to this, Explain the downtime in between the the second fight, the third fight, and then the third fight and the fourth fight, the main event. Okay, so mainly in, in HBO pay-per-views, they kind of have a set schedule. They have, you know, we'll have the first fight start maybe uh, 10 minutes after we go on, on the air. And then the second fight will go, you know, almost 10, 15 minutes after the, whatever, the first fight. And then once you kind of get to the co-main event, there was kind of already a set time. And the set time for that was already around say 9:15 uh, go right give or, give or take around 9:15 and the problem with this is because they couldn't just get these guys out there 5 minutes 10 minutes after the second fight because you know the the way boxing does is you know they wrap their hands way at, way kind of late into this it's not like UFC where it's all right fight happens five ten minutes later or we got the next fight because wrapping your hands is significantly different than how it is in MMA and I think part of the problem was that no one expected Lemieux to get a first round knockout I think a lot of people expected this to be at least eight nine rounds deep and with Munguia you know they were showing this like they HBO wanted to really, you know, strike a point that Mungia is this absolute monster. You can't even call him a prospect because he's already a world champion, but like he's 21 years old and he's already a absolute killer at 154 pounds. So you're really gonna have to, you know, really make sure the paper, the audience at home knows who Jaime Munguia is because, let's face it, HBO's boxing viewership numbers have gone significantly down. And, you know, there's still a lot of boxing fans that didn't know who Jaime Munguia was. So there was time. HBO definitely set time to really talk about Jaime Munguia. If you, and I don't know if you noticed, Sean, but they did not mention a single word about Brandon Cook in that None. entire in that entire break, like what I think it was like 20, 25 minutes, it was all Mungia, not a single word about you, Brandon. You would Cook. think that they they knew the fight was gonna end in the third round, which doesn't explain why we had that 90-minute wait for the main event. Also, another thing with the main event, they gotta wait for the bar crowds too. They you got people going to bars all around the world. They get prices per head on stuff like that. That's why you see UFC fights and the main event never starts until midnight because they want the bar crowd who show up at a certain time and are conditioned for that. But Munguia defeated Brandon Cook by TKO round three to retain the WBO junior middleweight title. 
after and and I thought the 30 to 45 minute wait was was extended, but this got me right back up for it. Jamie wow. McGee, awesome performance. Yeah, it's absolutely awesome performance. And I think it kind of revitalized the hope of some people that were kind of felt a little bit off from Mungia's win over Liam Smith back in July, which, by the way, that was still a really impressive win. But the problem with that Liam Smith win was that Liam Smith exposed so many weaknesses in Jaime Mungia's game. He's a, you know, Mungia's a guy that just keeps pressing forward. He still doesn't really know how to fight back. He leaves himself extremely wide open whenever he throws his hooks and his overhand rights. But I thought Mungia looked much tighter in terms of his stance, in terms of his punches. He didn't throw any wild, or at least didn't throw too many wild punches as he did in the Leon Smith fight. I think he looked a little better. But, you know, there's still a lot of holes in his defense. And really, again, he's still a long-term project because, let's face it, if you put Jaime Mungia up against a Jared Hurd or an Eris Landilara or um Jermel Charlo I think I would think uh Jaime Munguia would lose to all three of them based on experience based on technical prowess but Munguia is just he's a guy that you see and you kind of don't really care about all his weaknesses in the game because he just gives you an absolutely incredibly entertaining fight and he's a superstar in the making you know you can tell HBO really wants to hammer away the point that Jaime Munguia is a middleweight fighting a junior middleweight, and that sometime in the future, who knows, we could see a, a all Mexican super fight between Canelo Alvarez and Jaime Munguia, which I think that's possible. But that's still, but that's years down the road. We're not even yeah. close to even getting that fight. But it, but I, the HBO is st- planting the seeds, which is funny considering that HBO no longer has Canelo Alvarez on their on their contract. Let's talk about Canelo Alvarez, and we talked about the wait. 90 minutes before this fight occurred, you mentioned on Twitter, at Carlos Toro 360, you could have played the entire first fight, and then some, during that break, but Canelo Alvarez defeated Gennady Golovkin by majority decision. It was 114 to 114, then 115 to 113, and then 115 to 113 to win the unified WBA Super uh, the WBO, the IBO, and Ring Magazine middleweight titles. This was an instant classic. This fight was a blast. I'm going to ask you, how did you have it scored? I had it scored 116-112 in favor of Golovkin. And and funny, it's not because I thought Golovkin won the first fight and I wanted to see him win the second fight. No, because I actually had the fight scores to draw the first time around. And in this fight, I had... And right before the fight, your audio is cutting out a little bit. I I also had it cut or had it at one sixteen to one twelve. Anybody who's saying that this was a robbery, eh, I don't quite get with that. I do think that Triple G won the fight. I thought that he won the first fight, and I think that that's unfortunate. But uh, I'm ready for a third one. And Carlos, to me, anything that makes Teddy Atlas piss his pants on ESPN is good for the sport. I've got no audio for you right now. You're going to have to, to reset it or something. <clears throat> Exit and re-enter. Either way, it is a, a giant point of controversy right now, the scorecards. We've, I've got people that are popping up on my timeline saying, oh, I, I've never seen it. I've, I've never seen a card for Triple G. I've never seen a card for Canelo. These cards are all over the place, my friends. 
scorecards everywhere for this. And it was like that the, the entire fight. Like I couldn't have disagreed more with Harold Litterman's cards throughout, throughout the duration of this fight until the later rounds. I thought that Triple G really turned it on. Even though Canelo was pressing forward at almost all times, Triple G was able to, to stagger Canelo a couple of times and really, really, I thought, ran away with this fight. Canelo picks up the win. For the boxing world, is it good? Is it bad? Canelo's a younger fighter. He's got more upside. They're going to run this back again. There's no way that they don't run this back again. And you see people saying definitively, oh, Canelo won. Oh, Triple G won. It was a American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Robbery this way. It would have been a robbery the other way. If this would have been a draw, if this would have been scored for Canelo, or if this would have been scored for Triple G, I got no problem with it, man. That's the kind of fight this was. And I had people saying, Oh, you scored it eight rounds to four, but you're saying it's a razor close decision. That's dumb. Well, that's not the way that fights work. You can be driving one mile an hour faster than somebody through an entire race. But if they come ahead and they beat you, they cross that finish line before you, they step on that gas a little bit harder. They're going to take it. This was a very, very close fight. And anybody who would, will tell you any different is is wrong. We're waiting on Carlos to rejoin us. But I want to know how you guys scored it. So if you're watching live, I want you to let me know in the live chat. If you're watching after, let us know in the comments section. But Canelo said that he is open to a rematch. And I thought that his cardio held up pretty well. He got staggered a couple times. And... He got cut in the eighth round. You saw Triple G really attack that cut. And, you know, the, the judges see blood. They score that. They they really jump in on that. But uh, apparently it was I, – I the way that I saw it, the HBO announcers at the very least seemed very pro-Canelo. Seemed like they were really they, – they made it seem like the fight was out of reach for Triple G, and I didn't see that. And none of the judges at ringside saw that either. Because their scorecards were razor thin as well. Somebody says, Canelo ended strong. LOL. He did end strong. He had a great 12th round. That was the, I I gave him rounds 2, 3, 5, and 12. I thought the round 12 was the first round that Canelo had won since round 5. I thought that Triple G took 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, and 11. I thought he really ran away with the fight in the later rounds. However, when Triple G was throwing shots, and we'll wait to hear back from Carlos about this as well, it seemed like arm punches against clean power punches from Canelo. The straight punches of Triple G would land. He wasn't guarding his body that well, and Canelo was going right back to the well over and over again. Triple G found success early <laughs> with uh, jabs. We are rejoined by one Carlos Toro. 
Yeah, apologies. Uh, for some reason, uh, my laptop's not doing so hot with hang- with Google Hangouts. I don't know why. It's just no, we'll, we'll get we'll get back into the fight. How'd you have it scored, and why? Okay, so I had it one sixteen, one twelve, Golovkin, and I loved Golovkin's start better in this rematch compared to the first fight. Uh, the issue with I don't know why I I, I do kind of have the 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 scores of the judges they just need to pull it up for a second but basically the last four rounds i thought golovkin won all of them based on just fact that the flurries he showed the rallies he had were just absolutely incredible and for just some for some reason you know the judges didn't quite see that i mean granted a lot of the rounds were very very close you really could have given four or five of them to just about anybody and all right, so right now the last four cards. Funny enough, the one person, two of the uh, one of the two judges, uh, Dave Moretti, scored the final round in favor of Canelo. Actually, both judges that had Canelo winning actually scored the final round in favor of Canelo. I, I had him winning that round too, and I thought it was the first round that he had won since the fifth. Personally, I, I kind of see. I can kind of see where you're going, and really that. I, you could lean towards Canelo, and that one I had Golovkin winning that last round. That start he had was, you know, was really crazy. But you could make a really strong case for Canelo in that one. You know, I'm just looking at all these uh, scorecards; they're just all over the place. Uh, and really, it just shows how close this fight really was. I really want to call this a robbery, not unlike the first fight, because yeah. This really, although I do feel that Golovkin deserved the win in this one, but really, a lot of the rounds were were just extremely close. The, really the first fight was was pure incompetence or corruption, one or the other. I, I'm leaning towards incompetence, being um, the culprit is Adelaide Bird. I don't know that mm. that she is competent enough to be corrupt. To be quite honest with you, uh, and I mean that that's been well documented, and we talked about that a year ago. But I, it's not often. That you, that you and I can score a fight essentially eight rounds to four and say, yeah, Canelo could have taken that as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, let's face it. And I, honestly, when I was scoring these uh, this fight, I really had to take a look at a second, just think, really, what what did I value more in that round? Did I value Alvarez's body work? Because it was really impressive. But Golovkin's jab, which was, you know, the key to him, you know, doing well enough to win the first fight. That his jab was doing really well, but you know, the more you kind of see this fight, you're seeing shades of what Golovkin could have done better in the first fight. And the biggest thing is that Golovkin didn't work the body enough, and that was part of the problem because Alvarez worked the body, and he eventually managed to get a good rally at the end of the fight, but when you get Golovkin, he, all he did was just target the cut that was right above uh, uh, Canelo's left eye, and you're just kind of thinking, you know, this would be so much better for Golovkin if he really just worked on the body, which really was more or less his bread and butter for the majority of his career, but he just refused to do that. I don't know if that's Abel Sanchez saying, you know, saying he doesn't really need to work that much because they felt that even with landing eight punches to the body in the first fight, they still won. So really, that you could really give it to just about anyone. But Golovkin, I think, 
there were things in his game that I thought he also could have improved upon, but I still thought he won the fight. Do you think we see the rematch? It seems a natural, natural progression. If not, who's on the horizon? Even if so, who else is on the horizon for Canelo? And uh, how soon could we see a rematch? Just at a pure speculatory standpoint. Pure speculatory. If a, if a third fight were to happen, and with Golden Boy handling Canelo, I'm not sure we'll ever get a chance to see Canelo Alvarez fight Gennady Golovkin a third time. Unless it's for the undisputed titles, which would mean Golovkin would have to win either the IBF title back or would have to finally fight Billy Joe Saunders for the WBO title. At most, uh, we could really could see this at the absolute earliest end of 2019, 2020, because really? part, of, part of the problem is that Golov Canelo got the WBA and WBC titles. That's fine. That's awesome. But that also comes with having to fight the mandatories that yeah. Golovkin never fought. And technically with Alvarez, he technically has three mandatories. He has two, two with the WBA because David Lemieux is now the mandatory challenger to the WBA's title that Golovkin, uh, that Canelo has. But there's also the WBA regular champion, which is Ryota Murata, who is defending his title at the end of the month in Las Vegas. And the WBA has said uh, for, for a couple of years, we're going to get rid of the regular titles and we're going to have the regular champions fight the super champions. And whether or not people actually believe that or the effort is genuine, that's a completely different story. And that's just from the WBA side. There's also Jermall Charlo, who is the interim WBC champion. And he's kind of, I think, I believe technically he would be the first in line if we we're to go by the rotational system that the governing body set itself for Gennady Golovkin. You know, first it was, you know, when, when Golovkin as a regular champion, uh, unified champion, going back to the Daniel Jacobs fight, Daniel Jacobs technically fulfilled that mandatory for the WBA. And then with Canelo Alvarez, that would just simply, I don't want to say a step aside fight for the mandatories, but then when the first fight ended in a draw, the WBC then ordered the rematch, which technically would have uh, ended the mandatory requirement for the WBC. But because the fight never technically happened in May 5th, technically the WBC doesn't have its mandatory set. So now technically... Canelo, the first, the first man in line should be Jermall Charlo, but because David Lemieux is the mandatory challenger to the WBA title, and David Lemieux is a Golden Boy fighter, so is Canelo. The natural, the natural fight to make, or at least the easiest, would be Dece December, I believe, December fifteenth or December fourteenth at MSG, which is uh, res already reserved for Canelo Alvarez if he had won. So already we might be see Canelo back before the year is over fighting David Lemieux, which would be a really good fight. Don't get yeah, me wrong. I would I would agree, especially with the impression that David Lemieux made on pay per view viewers tonight. And I, I was also wanted to ask you, Gennady Golovkin, he's thirty six years old. Canelo Alvarez, twenty eight. Obviously, many more years ahead of him. He said this was the first half of his career, and that this fight launched the second half of his career. Now. The first half of his career was 13 years. So if you know, if you listen to him, he wants to fight until he's damn near or well past 40, apparently. Wild to think that this guy headlined a show with Conor McGregor, or not Conor McGregor, Floyd Mayweather, <laughs> when he was 23 years old. 
So he's got a lot of years, a lot of fights ahead of him, and he is a big star. Is this good for boxing, or does the controversial and maybe polarizing nature of the scorecard make it bad for boxing or indifferent? You know, in the in the big picture, I say it's indifferent, and because because going back to that Mayweather Pacquiao fight, everybody thought boxing is dead. This was a travesty. I mean, the fight was a travesty, and that. Four, I think it was 4.6 or 4.8 million people paid $100 to watch that fight. A lot of people already kind of counted boxing dead. Well, since then, we've had Keith Thurman and Danny Garcia do almost 4 million viewers on CBS. We've had Showtime just emerge as this huge television giant in boxing, over finally beating HBO in the rivalries, and I do think there is no more rivalry. Showtime clearly is a superior brand in terms of the premium cables showing boxing. And now we got PBC signing this massive deal with, with Fox, top rank signing a broadcast deal with ESPN, and overall, and hell, matchroom boxing going with the zone on that eight year, $1 billion deal. So yeah. really, it's kind of, I don't want to say, it's indifferent because I feel it feels kind of disingenuous to say that this fight is in the result is indifferent. But boxing finds its way to create new stars. Boxing finds its way to maintain relevancy despite what the naysayers say or that pay per view is there or that the viewership numbers are down. Even with all of the you know negativity that people may have, boxing will always find a way to keep make itself relevant and. You know, as much as I, people would love to have Gennady Golovkin emerge victorious, Canelo is much younger. He's already a proven star for years. He is the guy who is going to carry boxing into the next generation. Him and Deontay, whoever emerges victorious out of a possible Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder fight. Those are the, those are the guys for boxing for the next 10, 15 years. I see so many guys who could be that those transcendent stars it's a matter of getting them on the same page and getting fights like triple g versus canelo that get the whole sports world talking the sports world was talking about this fight tonight i have no doubts that deontay wilder and um and anthony joshua could get the sports world talking i I think the wilder and fury could have got the sports world talking even because tyson fury is you know he's a wild dude I think that there there are a lot of names like that, and you mentioned naysayers. Hey, I was one about that DAZN service. I was snickering about that a while back. They're looking like a, a real player right now. They're looking like the real deal, uh, the Bellator content that they're getting in addition to all the boxing stuff as well. I see boxing right now, and a couple of years ago when we started Fightful.com, boxing was almost, I don't want to say the black sheep of the site, but what was on the horizon then? And then I remember there was the awesome Jeff Horn and Manny Pacquiao fight. <laughs> that had me pumped for Jeff Horn. And I wanted to see them run it back. It never got to happen. You see Wilder and Joshua always talking. It, it just hasn't happened. It felt like McGregor and Mayweather was never going to happen. But that was a sideshow circus fight anyway. Fury and Wilder yanked. What? How can we just – how can things shift to make these fights that – that people want to see because there's plenty of them right now. Really, it all stems back, and this is not a new thing. It all stems back to promoters and networks and the boxers aligning themselves to uh, to their 
to their promoters and part of the and that's been a major problem because as much as you know, people like to give flack to the UFC, the fact at the end of the day, UFC is the one company that has all of these fighters. So making those fights it's almost second nature. But then in boxing you have like five UFCs. You have yeah. you have Eddie Hearn's match from boxing. You have Bob Arum's top rank. You have Al Heyman's PBC, uh Frank Warren's uh, Queensberry promotions, Oscar De La Hoya's Golden Boy promotions, and honestly, like fighters will always stick to their promoters unless they're extremely unhappy and just choose to go somewhere else. And really, and there's always talk of, well, maybe these promoters can work together. Well, yeah. there's always the, those talks, and you always occasionally get that kind of uh, joint partnership. But really, if if it hasn't been a precedent. 30 years ago, then it won't be a precedence now because boxing, in terms of the governing bodies and the promotion, uh, promotional companies are more fractured than ever before. I think that boxing right now has the potential for more stars than, than the MMA right now as things stand. And I mean that with uh, Ronda Rousey gone, GSP, you don't know what's going to happen with him. John Jones is on the shelf, and you know I – you know, I sat there and I watched a, a show from Moscow, Russia in, in the morning. I love MMA, but right now you've got guys like Lomachenko and, and Crawford and Golovkin, Canelo, Kovalev, even like Joshua Wilder and Fury. Those three guys, I look at them and I'm like, man, those, I'm ready to watch them throw down. So I have high hopes for the boxing world. Now, you can also count on Canelo to fight twice a year every year. That's why I almost think he will fight by the end of the year. But he did have the situation earlier this year where he tested positive for clenbuterol. Maybe explain that to people who aren't familiar with the situation. Okay, so the main reason why we did not have the May 5th fight was because back in February, uh, Canelo Alvarez tested positive for clenbuterol on two separate tests back in February in Mexico. And for those that you know don't know what clenbuterol is, it's basically, a, I don't want to say it's a masking agent, but it's basically used to sort of, you know, increase your stamina, you know, cut weight, help cut weight. And the issue was that not whether or not Golovkin, you know, had clenbuterol in his system or not, you know, the question was never that. It was whether or not it was intentional, whether he perf- purposefully injected clenbuterol or was it really contaminated meat? Because in Mexico, lots of athletes eat the meat in Mexico. And that meat, a lot of the meat is an epidemic it's contain uh, it's contaminated with clenbuterol and these fighters constantly test positive and this is not the first time a major mexican star has tested positive for clenbuterol before a big fight but the problem was even though some people thought well you know listen it it was accidental you can let this slide the problem was the nevada state athletic commission whether or not it was intentional the Canelo was all was due for a at least for a year suspension, but because it was the first offense and he cooperated with them, the rules allowed him to get back for September 15th. They they don't want you to retain any of the benefits that you may have received intentionally or unintentionally. And this isn't a bullshit explanation because it's happened multiple times, especially with Chinese meat in the UFC. You saw Brandon Moreno, uh, Jing Liang, you had uh. I think Gang Yu had it as well. Like there were several fighters who tested positive 
tainted meat, essentially. And we're given uh, findings of no fault for anti-doping violations by USADA even. So this is a real thing. And you follow Ian Kidd uh, from Bloody Elbow. He does the best work in media about this type of stuff. There is nobody better to listen to than him. So Carlos, our night has come to an end. Canelo defeats Triple G. You know, the world does want the rematch. You're saying it might be a little bit longer. I'm watching Teddy Atlas flip out on the screen next to me while a stoic Stephen A. Smith watches on. Yeah, he did. He, Stephen A. Smith, I actually just turned it on. He looks scared. He looks very scared. Well, Teddy what? Atlas is shadow boxing next to him. <laughs> <laughs> I got to admit, sometimes when I'm on the show with Jimmy Van, I throw the elbows. <laughs> I mean, a lot of my pro wrestling offense is all elbows, but I just throw it in there for entertainment value. But guys, if you all want to see more of Carlos Toro, follow him at Carlos Toro 360 Also, FightfulBoxing.com. We own that domain now. Head over there for all your boxing news. Carlos covers it in a fantastic manner. Uh, you, all, you can also head over to FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulMMA.com, or just Fightful.com, my friends. <laughs> We have WWE Hell in a Cell post show. I have a quick recap of UFC Moscow. Also, Carlos joined us on the past week's Fightful MMA podcast every week, Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern. (laughs) I am joined by MMA insider James Lynch, who talks to dozens, if not hundreds, of UFC fighters, MMA fighters a month. And Showdown Joe, a historian of over two decades. He's trained. He's a licensed and certified referee and judge. And he's covered MMA for a long time. Carlos, as we, we head out, any last words on tonight's show? If anything, I hope this card with the finishes and the fantastic main event get you to know more about the sport. Again, you can go to FightfulBoxing.com or FightfulBoxing.com in general. But really, this is a fantastic day for uh, weekend for boxing. And it just shows that even though, yes, there are, there is, it's, in a way, it's more fragmented than ever before. But there's so many more options to watch now. I mean, next week is Anthony Joshua versus Alexander Povetkin. And then the week after that is Ryota Morata versus Rob Brandt. And then in October, we got Billy Joe Saunders fighting, Daniel Jacobs fighting. It's now at the point where every week you're going to have some way to watch boxing, whether it be ESPN or Showtime, HBO, Fox, The Zone, whatever. I think this is a great time to be a boxing fan because now, in a way, it's there are companies and broadcasting uh, broadcast channels that U.S. fans have that they never would have imagined before. We're, we're getting Japanese boxing every yeah. other week now here in the U.S., and I absolutely love it. And Japanese boxing is humongous. It's wildly entertaining, and I think this is a fantastic time to be a boxing fan. Meanwhile, I'm struggling to figure out how to stream an emulator off of my PC or just get, download get- Hey, somebody help me out. Somebody who's hooked up in the emulator world knows how to run one. I can't run a Raspberry Pi on PC, so teach me how to do this. If get you ever for that Fightful Gaming? I'm trying to get I'm trying to get it up for the Fightful Gaming. I wanted to run a WrestleFest stream this weekend. Couldn't do it. You know what? I would love to do a Foreman for Real stream as well. That was my shit back in the day on SNES. I would love to do some stuff like that. So, guys, if anybody knows how, help me out. If you're having trouble keeping up with the boxing world. Maybe you just dipped your toes in and you want to dive in 
or you just want to kind of test the water, FightfulBoxing.com. Carlos does a fantastic job keeping you updated. And maybe, maybe you're like, you know what? I can't keep up every day. That Fightful Boxing newsletter every two weeks is worth your read. Carlos is at Carlos Toro 360. I am at Sean Ross Sapp. We are at Fightful Online and Fightful.com. Thank you guys so much. If you don't mind, leave us a thumbs up. Hit us with a subscribe. There's a little bell that you can tap and learn when we go live. We're out.